We're in the middle of a series called Seeds. Ever say Seeds. We were talking really through Matthew chapter 13, and um, this kind of be our, honestly, it'll be our, our maybe main area of the Bible that we'll be in for the most of this series. And we're talking about this idea of seeds because Jesus really um, used the idea of seeds in a lot of his parables. And honestly, I think if you look throughout the Bible and history, God loves seeds. He likes to use this idea of sowing and reaping and planting and harvesting. And, and uh, yes, there was a, a contextual nature to it because most of them were farmers. Um, and last I checked, most of you probably don't work on a farm. And if you do, um, man, that's amazing. I love the farm. I actually grew a lot of people don't know this about me. I grew up in California and um, I, I grew up part of my life on a farm. So I really like farming and I really enjoyed a lot of the parables that Jesus used when it comes to sowing and reaping. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 31. Last week, we opened up this idea that what keeps us from understanding. How many of y'all know, isn't it true that you can go to any experience and you'll hear the same thing, listen to the same thing, you'll follow along the same thing, you'll watch the same thing, but everybody can have a different experience, right? And the truth is, God knew that. Jesus talked about, hey, I could speak, but if you're not ready, um, it could be some things that we're doing that keeps us from understanding what God has to say for us. And so we talked about that last week. I highly encourage you to go to our website or we're on all every podcast platform. We're on YouTube. We'll just search Rise Church TX. You can find that series and sermon. But today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, um, kind of continuing Jesus's teaching on the, the seed. And he says, he told another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, ever say grows, it's interesting. He's talking about small and big. You know, he's, he's getting these comparing and contrasting. He says, they, when it grows, it becomes the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that when the birds come, they can perch on its branches. And you see that like some things that start small eventually become big. You're in a season right now where we've asked our church to jump into small groups and uh, for six weeks, we're just committing to small groups to, as a church-wide campaign. And guess what? For those of you who already had their small group last week, you're going to be in it this week. And here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is the enemy's going to come and try to lie to you and say, and he's going to use all the things you didn't like about the group as a reason not to come back to the group. And he's going to minimize the big things that you did like, the things that did happen, the things that did work, the people you did like. Come on the food that was good and then he's gonna maximize the things that you didn't like and try to give you a reason you're moving from the honeymoon come on to the marriage come on married people y'all know what i'm talking about so here's your job this week stay with it everybody say stay with it look at your neighbor say stay with it okay you got to stay with it you got to stay in those groups because something's gonna happen I, i'm telling you it's gonna be small group day and something's going to happen that day. And be like, you know what, honey, we really should. We can't go. We got this to do. We got, yes, you do. But go, stay with it. Because what starts small, come on, grows to something big. And so Jesus in this time, he eventually gets up and we're going to read another part of Matthew chapter 17. Right before this, Jesus has what they call a, a transfiguration moment where Jesus goes up with three of his disciples um, and he gets to the top of this mountain and the transfiguration is Jesus changing a little bit into a magnificent form and Moses is there and Elijah is there and, and he has this incredible moment he comes down right after this moment 
to a crowd. And it says in verse 14, Matthew chapter 17, verse 14, it says, when they came to a crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. No pain like kid pain. Come on, parents. You can hurt me, but you can't hurt my kids. Come on, moms. Come on, dads. You can hurt me. You can come after me. Satan, you can have me, but you can't have my kids. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son. And he said, he seizures and suffers greatly, and he often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. I went to your church. I heard that pastor you put up there. I listened to all his sermons. I did what you told me to do, God, but it didn't work. He said, Jesus replied, he said, well, you unbelieving and perverse generation. I mean, Jesus didn't really hold back, did he? It's like, come on, Jesus. I mean, give me the abbreviated version. The, like, the new Aaron version would be like, hey, guys, come on, man. He said, how long should I be here with you? And how long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon that came out of the boy. And he was healed at that moment. And when the disciples came to Jesus in private, they asked him. I thought this was interesting. I did not have to go to a commentary to see what Jesus really meant. Jesus gives us his commentary on what happened. And they asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus says, because you have little faith. You have little faith. You have little faith. A lot of scholars believe that Jesus was really telling them, you have no faith. Like, I think that's a bad translation, actually, if you look at it in the Greek. You have no faith. Because then what Jesus talks about is, well, if you just have little faith like a mustard seed. You can say this mountain, move from here, and it'll be moved, and nothing will be impossible for you. He's saying, look... You didn't even have faith as a mustard seed. That's a bad rap. That's saying, like, you didn't get it, guys. Like, you've been going to church for years. You've been around me for a long time. You've seen me do what I do. You know, you who know better, right? Like, you didn't get it. That if you just have a little bit of faith, man, you can do some pretty amazing things. And what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about faith and seeds. We're going to talk about how that works inside of our lives. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for your spirit. Nothing is impossible for your life. Nothing is impossible for your grace. Nothing is impossible for your power. And I pray, God, that more than anything, Lord, you would speak in this moment more than anything. There would be a life change that would happen in this church. I'm not looking to have a good sermon. I'm looking for someone to have transformation. That's what I'm looking for. So we're here, we're open, we're ready, we're receptive. We ask you, Lord, to do that today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Um, I have a confession to make as a pastor. I would like to tell you that I don't struggle with fear because you would think, if I'm a pastor and I speak for the Lord and I have like this supposed red phone to God that no one has given me yet. <laughs> I, was, I heard that when you become a pastor, right? This is what I heard before I became one 20 years ago, that like something magical happened, almost like the transfiguration with Jesus would happen, like it would happen with me. But it hadn't happened yet. And um, 
I'm here to tell you I struggle with fear. Like, I really do. Like, I get scared really easily. My wife does not struggle with this. I'm the guy, can I be honest with you? I know I need help. I'm the guy, if I hear something at night, I'm a little bit like, hey, babe, you want to go check that out? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I'm good. I'll call, I got the phone. I can call 911 right now, but just you go ahead and check it out, you know? And I try to, like, be cool about it, be like, you know, man, I'm just not, like, I can't see and stuff. Because I can't see, I wear contacts, and um, I can't see at night. So when it's dark, it's, like, I blind. I cannot see. And um, when, I, when I first got married, my wife, I didn't really know this about myself. Because, you know, guys, look, when we're married, when you get married, you kind of, you start to think, I'm responsible for this woman that you gave me, Lord, and I'm going to protect her. Now, don't push me, because I'll... You know, I'll do something. I'll cut you if I need to. But, but at night, if I can't see you, I can't cut you. So I can't see at night. I did not know this. And so what I was, one night, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't see. I used, to, I used to do this a lot. I don't do it much anymore as I've gotten older. But this is right when I first got married with my wife. My wife used to go to bed early. She was kind of an early. Any ladies go to bed early, kind of before your husband? Yeah, yeah I got it. Yeah, I've been dealing with the kids. I've had enough. You know, you you're, you're drove me crazy. I'm done. So she goes to bed. And I would stay up and I'd watch like infomercials. I love infomercials. I think infomercials are the best thing ever. I'm like the slap chop, the sham wow, all those. I love all of them. And, uh, and so um, I was watching infomercials. It kind of came late. And the way that our house was situated, we had our living room right here. There was a long hallway. And then our bedroom, we had one bedroom apartment. There was a long hallway down at the end of the hallway. Well, she's in our room sleeping. And um, I don't know why I did this. I'll be honest with you, I really don't know why. We, we had one bathroom. It was weird. It wasn't in our room. It was kind of in the hallway of the house and so I, or the, the apartment. So I put it in. Uh, my contacts were in there. I took my contacts out, and then I had to turn off all the lights. Well, I, I, I don't know why I did this, but I turned off all the lights, including the hallway light, to get down over to my room. So when the lights go off again, I'm blind. I can't see. Now, I have a fear that I think the Satan is after me. I just want you to know this. Like, I, Let me ask you a question. Okay, Let me just theorize. For you. Let me prove to you my point. I'm a pastor. If the enemy was going to come after anybody, wouldn't it be me? Like, right? Like, wouldn't it be the pastor? So I just think he's after me. So I already have this preconceived notion that the devil's after me. On top of that, I can't see. So I turn the lights off, and it's pitch black dark to the point where I have to feel along the hallway, walking down the hallway to get to my room. I'm walking down the hallway to get to my room. My door, for some reason, was closed. My wife never closes the door. Why is the door closed? Open the door, and I kind of slow, I don't know why I did this, I slowly opened it. I thought if I slowly opened it, then Satan will run if I slowly open it. So I slowly opened it, and slowly opening any door, just so you know, what it does is it creaks. It creaks when you slow. So it was literally like a horror movie where you would slowly open the door and go, and I look over at my, my bed. The first thing that my eyes can make out in the shadows is a light of the moon shining down onto our bed, almost like, like creepy-like, right? There's a mist going on. Now, I don't know if there was a mist, but I believe there was a mist. As I remember, there was a mist in our bedroom shining down onto our bed. The only light that's coming in is the light from the moon shining onto our bed. And as I take one step in, because I don't know about you, I just feel like if I'm quiet, the enemy won't see me. If I'm slow, the enemy won't see me. So I'm creeping in, trying not to wake up my wife, trying to be really quiet. I took one step in, and I look up, and I'm lying, I'm dying. This is what happened. My wife's body literally does this. She, she's laying flat like the undertaker. She lifts up. 
like this is her body, right angle. She lit. I can't see. Remember, the devil's after me. Remember, I can't see the my, my wife's body goes up like this. She goes, and she goes, and she looks at me, and I was like. And I have a thing I say, I like in my mind, and this is what it is. It's three words. This is it. <laughs> this is where the enemy takes my wife's body and attacks me, and I become a statistic. In the newspaper, local pastor dies from demon-possessed wife. That's what I saw. And she said something that would that still haunts me to this day. I'm telling you, somebody's going to make a shirt that says this. She literally leans up, undertakers up, looks at me and screams out, the babies. We had twins at the time. And she starts feeling around the bed saying, you guessed it, the babies. At this point, I left the room, right? Because you don't want to, I heard you don't wake somebody up if they're, you know, whatever. My wife talks. Here's what I learned. I did not know this about her. She talks in her sleep. Until that moment, I learned when she got demon possessed, started screaming things, Undertaker. I slept on a couch that night. Like, I struggle with fear. I struggle with this idea that Jesus is really teaching about. You know, Jesus, what he's really talking about in this thing, he was talking about faith. It's really what he's speaking about. He's talking about the idea of having faith in God, that it starts out small. You might be new in here to this thing called Christianity, which welcome to the team. We're all weird. You're going to be weird one day. <laughs> but it's the best decision you'll ever make, but it starts small because your faith starts small because you have not yet been able or had an opportunity to believe God for something that you could never do because you didn't believe in him before. But it starts small, and Jesus says it's like a seed that goes into the ground, and, and, and he starts comparing it with seeds and, and faith, and, and that, it's a, that in the kingdom, faith starts small. And, and, but it's critical to our success when it comes to, to, to living a life with Christ. And what I noticed about faith is that the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's fear. It's fear. It's it's, I don't believe God can do something, and because I believe God is so small, I'm afraid of what happens because my God is so small. And then what we do is we try to convince ourselves, people around us, and God that he's smaller than the issue that's coming into our life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed to God? And you're like, God, I'm going to die. And God's speaking to you like he does. He goes, no, you're not going to die. And you go, no, no, you don't understand. And you start, you start to like convince, has anybody ever had, does anybody do this other than me? Like, I'm like, God, you don't get it. You missed out on what the report card said. You missed out on what the doctor said. You missed out on what my wife just told me. You didn't see what my kids are doing. You don't understand what my health is like. You missed it. Let me inform you of what's really going on. And God's saying, no, I know. I know the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's fear because fear will creep into your life. And like a seed, it can be planted and grows big. And what happens, here's how it grows big. You start playing the what if game. Does anybody, is anybody good at the what if game like I am? 
Like if you're a risk mitigator in here, which means like you look for everything that could potentially go wrong. Is anybody else good at that other than me? Anybody else can, I got a degree in it. Somebody was trying to play the what if game with me the other day. I go, just so you know, I can one up you in every one of these things. I'm like, what if this happens? I said, oh, you really freaked out? You want me to really freak you out? What if this happens? They're like, <gasps> and I'm like, aren't you supposed to be a pastor? I'm like, yeah, I'm supposed to be. Like, what if I don't have enough money tomorrow? What if my kid never comes back to Christ? What if the economy fails? What if I can't take care of my aging parents? What if my husband never comes to the Lord? What if I never get healed of the thing that God says I could have healing for in his word, but it's not manifesting in my life? Come on. What if I never, I hear that, what if I never get married? What if I never have kids? The what if game is a, it's the, the seed of it is fear. And I think what the Lord in our parable is teaching us, he's saying, it's faith, you got to plant faith and not fear. And if you plant faith, it's like a seed. It has potential for growth. They start out small, but it can be really, really big. I wanted to give you an idea, like a little bit of a comparison of how faith works like a seed a little bit. Number one, faith, like a seed, um, is his nature. And we're going to put up a little, we'll put up a little a diagram for you. His nature is the first one. Put it up there. Push the button. Point. There you go. His nature is, 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 that, it, is that he's faithful. I like what Deuteronomy says. It says, therefore, that know, therefore. You got to know it. You got to know God is faithful. You got to know, not know about his faithfulness. You got to know God's faithful. That's different because what happens is in the moment when you have an issue, you could know about God doing something for someone else. Or you can know that God's big enough to do it for you. You got to know, you got, you got to know that God is faithful. And the nature of a seed, you know what the nature of a seed really is, is to grow. Its nature is to grow and to be Faithful to growing. The nature of God is to be faithful to grow us. He's faithful. He has a long track record. You can trust God. I know some people in here struggle with that. Because I don't know, I struggle with that. So like, can I trust this God I can't see that you seem to talk about, that some people seem to understand and believe? Like, no, no. You can, he has a long track record of showing up and showing out. His nature. Number two, his word. It's reliable. Like when God says something in his word, it's reliable. You can take it to the bank. Like there's a, I like to say it like this. God's word has an ingrained truth to it. Like there's a truth to what he says. Like there's a truth in his word. There's, it's, it's true. It's not built on lies. There's an ingrained truth to it. Like a seed has an ingrained truth to it. It, it can be relied on. There are millions of people still to this day that you and I, we, we have an ingrained, we rely on the fact that if I plant a seed, I can get a harvest from it. Hello, everybody who likes fruit and vegetables and bread and everything you can eat. Come on, somebody. There's an ingrained truth to it. His word can be relied on. So if God speaks it, 
We can trust it. Romans chapter 10 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not what the world says is right. It's what God says is right. And I know that that's a ten, there's a tension there because it, you, you amen that until you come up to a situation where it has to do with your kids. Or your wife or your husband or your, your money. Like, I'm real good. God, you, you said with your money, with my money, that, yeah, amen. It's your money, God. It's your money. Okay, well, then you should give. Well, hold on. I mean, yeah, amen. But there's a lot of things outside of your word that I like to do with your money. Y'all hear what I'm saying? But he's reliable because like a seed went into the ground, brings a harvest. When I do what God asked me to do, it brings a heart. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It's reliable. Number three, his time. It takes longer. This is not one. No one's going to amen this part, this, but I had to put it in. But it takes longer. Seeds. Have you noticed how seeds work on their own time? Has any, did anybody ever grow up? None of you are farmers, so you, this is hard to, to demonstrate. But did you ever in school, um, did they ever give you a seed to plant like a, like a little project? Y'all know what I'm talking about? They give you some dirt. They give you a little tomato seed or a little flower seed. And they said, hey, what you're going to do is you're going to take it home. My kids had to do it, you know, and they bring it home and, and you water it. And you, how many of y'all know you didn't water it? You didn't take care of it. Your parents did. Your parents grew it to show you what happens with the seed. I noticed, though, that there's not, even when you throw miracle grow on it, it, it still comes out when it wants to come out. How many of y'all know that? It works on its own time. God works on his own time. Like, God's... He's almost never early, but he's never late in his mind. Like, I never... God's never shown up earlier than I wanted him to, at least. <laughs> like, I know when I need him, so I feel like I have God on a schedule. Does anybody put God on your calendar like I do? God, can you show up at this time? 2 a.m. when I can't sleep on Tuesday. You come then. You show up then. When I lost my job, you show up then. When I asked for healing and it didn't happen, you, sh- you show up then. And then God shows up when he, when he wants. I don't, has anybody ever had that happen? Where you prayed for God seems to show. He works on his own time. He just does. Hebrews says you got to imitate people with faith and patience. I mean, if there isn't a better scripture in the world, like to be a Christian. Somebody asked me, like, what's the, what's, like, what's the most innate thing about being a Christian? I said to be patient. To be slow. Slow. Got slow. Because you got to let the seed. Faith is like slow cooked. It's not microwaved. I like the microwave when I'm cooking pizza, like when I'm reheating pizza. But when I want a steak, y'all hear what I'm saying? When you want something good, you got you to wait. You got to wait. You got to wait. I know, but he's like, amen. No, no. you don't have to wait. I need that raise right now. You, you, you might have to wait. I need the healing right now. No, God, I need it right now. You might, you might, you might, you might have to wait. Maybe other things are going on. And then the fourth one is just our response. Like a seed, our response. You got to believe and act. It's interesting to me that seeds potential come from our beliefs and our actions. Like we have to actually not just believe that the seed is going to do something. You got to plant it. 
and you got to water it, and you got to take care of it. You got to make sure that thing's got, you know, it's the right atmosphere and the right sunlight. You got you got to do some stuff. There's there's a combination of not just our beliefs, but also our actions. Faith is the same way. Faith is the same way. You can't just believe God can do something. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all y'all have to. We have to believe that like God can do it. And hello, like. Do something with it. Faith without works is what? Is what? Is dead. Yeah. It's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. Like, we have to believe that he exists. That, I love this. And, and I like, we forget the end all the time, don't we? We got to earnestly seek him. It's not just believing. For those of you who are like big believe people, you're like, I believe in God can do anything. And he's the true to his word. Okay, go work the seed. Go go work the seed. Go work the seed. Well, no, I don't work. I don't. God said we don't have to work by. I ain't talking about your salvation. I'm talking about your sanctification. Go work the seed. Like go work the seed. You gotta go do it. So how do we how do we how do we do that? How do we grow? How do we grow in faith? How do we grow in faith? I'm gonna give you three quick things to think about. How do you grow in? faith today. Number one is we understand big always starts small. Big always starts small. Faithful people are fruitful people because they understand the power of small. Everything big in God's kingdom starts out small. You and I want big. We celebrate big. We speak about big. You got to value the small. Big people, they they overanalyze and obsess over the small. They just do. We, we have to be careful that we don't despise the small. Zechariah says that. He says, don't despise the small beginnings. Don't despise the small beginnings. You're, we're so mad. It's amazing to me, the world we live in now, that people can't go and start a job as a janitor expecting to be, the, I've got to come in as the CEO. And the question is not why are they like that. The question is why are we like that? I know you deserve it. (laughs) I know it. Like, I know you're big time. (laughs) I get that you got a big tree up in you. But right now you're a seed. Be a seed. Start small. It's the small. Have you ever noticed that it tends to be the small things that break the big things? It's why you should never pray the prayer, God, give me the desires of my heart. I know that's like a fancy Christian thing that's gone around like the church world forever. I grew up, people say, God, David prayed that prayer. And they use the Bible. David prayed that prayer, Pastor. Don't tell me not to pray that prayer. It's in the Bible. There's a lot of things in the Bible you shouldn't do. I've actually read it. Thank you. Have you ever noticed that? Like people who've never read the Bible try to tell me what's in the Bible. I'm like... You, 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 you never read the thing. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't, a lot of in the Bible, do you know this, by the way, this is, there's nothing unbiblical by saying there's a lot of things in the Bible that are descriptive, not prescriptive. Y'all know that, right? Like it was just telling about a time or a situation or a story. That doesn't mean you should go out and do it. So David prays his prayer, God, give me the desires of my heart, which was the most ridiculous thing. You want to know why it was ridiculous? Is because when he finally got it, he lost everything. Yeah. Now, why did he lose everything? 
because he had all the talent in the world. He had all the anointing in the world. He even had God on his side, but he didn't have character to actually sustain his talent. Sometimes it's the small things that allow you to keep the big things. Yeah. Yeah. You ever hear about the, um, there's a thing called the weakest link. Like there's a term called the weakest link. And the idea of the weakest link is, is really a chain, right? So like there's a chain and like the chain together, my God, how many of y'all have seen like a great preacher? I'm not a great preacher who does real great with illustrations, but I've seen some great preachers teach on some chains, you know, like chain, devil, get off of me. The chains are loose, you know, stuff like that's not what I'm going to do today. But <laughs> the chain's a powerful metaphor because the chain linked together is amazing. You can do a lot with the chain. How many of y'all have ever used a chain before in your house? I'm like, come on, how many of y'all use this thing before? Y'all know what a chain can do. You can attach this to a, a big old truck, big old Chevy, diesel, dually, <laughs> dragging something around the farm. I'm telling you, this thing is powerful, and it can pull a lot, and it can hold a lot, unless one of the chains are broke. Unless there's an integrity issue With, with, with what connected it together. And some of us, none of you, other churches, they, they get real specific on the chain. Like, you can do anything with God. Just get connected with some. I'm just telling you, just wait until you got potential to pull and do amazing things in life. And yet, we forget that it's actually the, 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 the integrity of one weak link. That can shut down the whole thing. So I know you think you can get really high in business and real amazing in your business. And you can climb that corporate ladder, but you're a little too close to that girl in your life. I know she's an incredible coworker and she's got a great personality and she never hates the things that your wife hates. But if you're not careful, that big corner office that you really, really like, your integrity that's lacking, that you're trying to pull around. I know, I know this is uncomfortable. I know it's like uncomfortable. But if I don't tell you this as your pastor, you're not going to find no one on Netflix is going to tell you this. You know what they tell you on Netflix? What happens when the chain breaks? Because that's what drives ratings, drama. So what I'm saying is, is you better be careful with that. I know it's not that big of a deal. I know you think your wife's overreacting. But if she has a problem with it, deal with it. Fix the weak link. It's the weak link. Y'all hear the weak link. Because you can pull a whole lot until it breaks. I know you want to go do some amazing things in life and you be trying to like, I'm telling you right now, I got, I'm going to put legacy in my life. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And you don't live a healthy lifestyle to get you to 40, let alone 80. And you be like, it's just a cheeseburger. No, 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 no. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about a weak link in your self-control. I'll get off that because y'all don't want to talk about it anymore. We'll just, I just, I just, I just want to be clear. The small affects the big, right? And if we want big things, we're going to have to focus on the small. So if you want big marriages, talk nice. Everybody smile at me right now because I made you mad earlier. Smile. Just smile. Make me feel better as a pastor. Smile. Everybody. I'm looking. Okay. Talk nice. If you want big, big children, 
Train right. You want big money? See it correctly. Little things, little things. You want big faith? Come to church. Pray. Read your Bible. Learn to give. I already know that's 101. But you're not doing it. And then you come up to my office talking about, I need counseling, and I want to prove to you why my issue is different than what the Bible says. 99, I just gave you an insight to my life, and 99% is about You're lucky I'm not mad. Maybe I am mad. Okay, anyway. <laughs> number two. So, so we, we, number two is we get more of what we water. Faithful people water and work what they get. Faithful people are workers. They're hard workers. Faithful people, they don't just listen. They water and they work. And then they water and then they work. And then they water and then they work. And then they water and then they work. And then they... And they water, yeah, and then they work. And then they water, and then they work. And then when they get up the next morning, and then they're really, really tired, and their husband's really upset with them, and their kids ain't listening, they water, and then they work. Ladies, if you are a stay-at-home mom, who you feel like you left and left, lost everything to raise a family, you lost out on your dream, you lost out on what you, the, the big thing that you were supposed to do in life, the big issues in the, the big dream, just so you know what you're doing is incredibly important. You're watering, and you're working. You're watering, and and you're working. You didn't lose out on what God created for you. You're investing and you're putting seeds in the soil. Come on, somebody. you're putting something in the ground so that when God actually tries to bring the harvest out of it, your kids show up and they know they had a mom who raised them. They weren't raised by someone else. They were raised by you. I just want to speak to someone. If you're struggling with what you feel like is small, trust me, it's big in the kingdom. Small things, they turn into big things. And faithful people, they, they know how to work hard so they don't lose what they, what they learn. They work what they learn so they don't lose it. There was a German study that um, several years ago called the forgetting curve. And what they studied and what they designed was, um, what, what they found in their study was that after six days of a human brain, after six days of a human brain learning something, I thought this was interesting, six days, after they learned something, they forgot it. If they didn't work what they learned. I'm like, that's genius. Six days, there's seven days in the week, Sunday to Sunday, seven, six. You have six. Isn't it good that God gave you six whole days to actually put into practice what Pastor Aaron somehow teaches you? And if you don't do it, it just becomes great for conversation, but it never becomes transformation. It's why in a week's time, I could come to you next, I'm telling you, 99% of you, I could come up here, preach the same message with the same stories and the same examples and the same points and the same words. And I would walk out into the front and I'd be like, what was the message like? You're like, I've never heard that before. That was amazing. God moved. I'm like, no, he didn't. You didn't do any of what I told you before. And because you didn't do any of what I told you before, this is all brand new information. Am I, am I talking to anybody? So here's your study, right? Here's your goal. This week, don't let it just be information. You got to work what you learned. 
You got to work. It's designed. This message, this book, this Bible, this teaching, this religion, this following, this God, it's all designed to be mold over. Did you know in the Hebrew faith, the Bible, you know how they looked at the Bible? You know how they looked at the scriptures in the original context? It was meant to be debated and talked about. Like, what do you think Jesus meant? What do you think really happened to Elijah? What did Jonah's story mean to you? Oh, it meant this to me. Oh, I don't know if it meant that. That's not how I saw it. This is how I saw it. And we think about it in a negative context when it comes to actual having conversation because no one can actually have conversation now. We can debate and yell at each other, but we don't know how to have a conversation and disagree well. You know you can't. If somebody tells you something that you don't agree with, you know you can say stuff like, oh, I don't know if I agree with that, but okay. Rather than saying, you are a terrible person. Why did God put you on this earth? I'm going to blow you up on social media and talk about you behind your back. Like, comment, right, right? Like, it's meant to be worked. It's meant to be worked. If we don't use our faith regularly, hello, it's going to go bad. Number, number, number three. Number three is this, and I'm done. We have to set the right environment. We have to set the right environment. Faithful people set the right atmosphere, the right atmosphere for things to grow. Every gardener I know focuses on the right environment for their seed. And they're even willing to replant it and adjust it and move it into different areas to uh, grow stuff. I've learned this. You can come up and play the fancy music. Thank you. <laughs> the, um, my wife has taught me this. Okay, and I've asked her permission, so she's let me save this. She's a professional killer of plants in her house. <laughs> Any other ladies can just join, link arms with my wife. Anybody, come on. Some, like, you got faith in you, woman of God. Come on, somebody. Okay, good. She just, when she sees a plant, she'll buy it. She thinks they're so pretty, but I just, the moment she buys it, I'm like, that thing's dead. <laughs> Ain't gonna make it. It's living its best life right now at H-E-B. Um... But I will say, she has learned to become better with plants. And you know what? Honestly, she taught me this. She goes, we have this plant, and it's in our room right now. And uh, it started out as a little, tiny little plant. I should have brought a picture of it because you deserve credit for this. But it was a little, tiny little plant, and then she, she learned, right? Hello. She learned about it, and she started figuring out what seed and what kind of plant to her to put it in. And, type of soil and all this stuff she learned and then she started to grow and um it started to grow and now it it grew into like a really beautiful plant inside of our room and she goes and she sprays it she learned even how to water it because some plants you can't water you can't like dump water you got to spray water on it i'm like what kind of delicate flimsy girly plant is this you can't give it water like i can't drink water like that it's like it's got a peanut allergy or something it's like ridiculous it's like okay you know Give that plant out of my, I need the ones that are fake. You know, I want the, fa- I'm about the fake plant life. You know what I'm saying? Like it stays like that forever. Um, but she grew this plant, beautiful plant grew up and it's amazing. But she learned that she had to put it in the right environment. So she had to have it in the right sunlight in our house. That's why it's in our room because the sun comes right at that area and it's in the house and she put it in the right place and she, she waters it and she nurtures it. And um, I'm not allowed to touch it. You know, it's stuff like that, right? You know, where I may be able, like, we just got to keep it in the right environment. Well, man, you know, like, if your seed is struggling, it could be you're in the wrong environment. 
Or you need to hear me in this, okay? Like, give me, a, give me a minute if I can just speak to you right now. If I can just speak to your potential. Some of us in here really struggle with our faith. You have to ask yourself this question. It might not be the seed. It might not be the soil. It could be the environment that you're in. So you might be around, like, I don't know if you know this, but like sometimes you'll hear a good word, but man, some people can come and snatch that away from you because you're in the wrong, with the wrong people. Like, I don't want to be around non Like, if you are an Eeyore kind of a person, don't put me, don't come near me. I need like, like the, like, you know what I'm talking about? Winnie the Pooh? I need Tigger. I need like, all right, we're going to do this. All right, it's going to be great. Because like, I don't know about you, but I, I can, look, I don't need anybody else to tell me the negative. I'm really good at finding it. I need somebody who's got some faith in them. And you could be somebody who's, man, you got great faith in you, but you got people around you that steal it from you. Take it from you. You call them up and be like, man, let me tell you what's going on. And they're like, you're going to die. You're going to die. It's not going to, you need to call somebody. Don't call them no more. Right? Like, you know you don't have to be friends with everyone. I, I just want to, is that okay? You can love people from a distance. Hello. I love you. You stay over there. And if you're around the right environment, I think you can do it. So 2 Corinthians says examine yourselves. So I want you to do that this week. Examine yourself. Are you around the right people? Are you, are you, are you in the right workplace? Like, Pash, I can't lose my job. If I lose my job, I, I lose my money, my soul. I thought God was your source. You might need to move out of that environment. If it's killing you, move out of that environment. I'm giving you the faith to do it. Don't blame me. I don't want any phone calls. But, like, <laughs> some of you are not in the right environment for your, for your marriage because you work too much. Make an adjustment. Get yourself in the right environment. If your marriage is not growing, you got to adjust the environment. Come on, somebody. Your kids aren't working right. Are you home enough? Are they in too many sports? Hello? I'm not fighting. Just so you know, I'm not fighting. Like, churches used to fight like the demons of hell. We ain't fighting the demons. We're fighting the demons of select baseball right now and soccer. Y'all know that, right? It's okay. Group hug. I'm not mad at you. You can be in select ball. I'm just saying you could be over overstuffing your life and creating the wrong environment for you to grow. You said no to small groups. That's one environment. Or, or, there's another environment. And I'm telling you, you just, and it's so amazing to me, the plant that was dying in my house, the moment she just, that's great, grows up, it's like a tree. It's great. Are you in the right environments. What is hindering your growth in faith? Something to think about today as we wrap up. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today you have something to bring to us. Lord, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that, that you have, uh, you're consistent with being on time with the words we need to hear. And I know that transformation is going to happen from this message, not because I wrote a good three points. God, because I know you're faithful to your word. Your word is true. That when the word of God goes out, it transforms lives. So I prayed that today, God, we would hear you clearly and fully in Jesus' name.